0: So what I envision is a future where we have healthy homes. Everybody has a healthy home, regardless of your income, your age, your abilities, uh, your race, your gender, whatever it may be. Everybody has access to a clean, comfortable home that is energy efficient, um, that is run on clean, renewable energy That's not wasting wasting unnecessary resources. I really, I I think that's possible. And it's possible even now. This is not, you know, 20 years from now. I think that's possible right now. Um, If we want to make that happen, we can absolutely make that happen. And I think that's, that's my message is when there's, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. I completely believe in that.
1: Welcome to Home Green Homes Podcast. I am Izumi Tanaka, a green home advisor and a green realtor. Here I invite a variety of experts in the world of green homes and have conversations about how we can all live in healthy, resilient, and efficient homes. My guests provide insight in a wide range of topics from designing, building, and living in purchasing or financing green homes and improvements, to how we can live to reduce the negative environmental impact from the way we live. My goal is to inspire and inform you about how we can make a difference in our own lives and our environment. Hi, I am Izumi Tanaka. Welcome to Home Green Homes podcast. I have a wonderful guest today, Abide Hagihi. and Abide, you can tell me about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and um, where you are, and just tell me about who you are. Just give an idea. Sure.
0: Hi, Azumi. I'm so happy to be on this podcast, so thanks for having me. Um, I am, as you mentioned, an, an architect. I'm based out of Southern California in Los Angeles. And I uh, have been specializing in sustainable design for a number of years now in my work as an architect. Um, and so recently, I have turned my attention uh, to the uh, housing market, especially single family residential. Um, You know, in my work as a professional, I mostly work uh, with big clients on large commercial buildings, um, and they usually have high sustainability goals, and I noticed that on the smaller homes, there's, it's it's tougher to have sustainability goals and make those green, um, because of a variety of factors that we'll discuss later in the podcast, I'm sure, Um, but really, uh, so that's that's where I am and I recently bought a house last year um, in Long Beach and I am walking the talk that's what I plan to do with the house um, and retrofitting it uh, to be all electric and
1: zero emissions that sounds that sounds quite exciting actually so every day I'm actually curious uh, what led you to Uh, become more focused on sustainability, sustainable design, green uh, building practice. What was that story behind it?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, I have a funny story that I tell, and and it's that when I was in architecture school, I had written down, you know, you're trying to figure out what you're interested in or not. So I had written down this list of things I was not interested in. And one of those was green design. Which is funny, and now looking back on it, you know, I realized my impression of green design at that point in time probably wasn't very well developed, um, and I really thought of it as a lot of greenwashing, and I didn't really understand the impact. And so, as I started working uh, as just as an architect. I started realizing the level of impact that our work has on not just the community, but on the environment. And it started becoming more apparent to me. And really what clicked for me, that the point where I jumped in with two feet into this sustainability thing was um, when I learned about the International Living Future Institute, And their idea and their concept of living buildings, which really went beyond let's add solar panels or do X, Y, and Z. But it was more of a a principle, a theoretical idea of buildings operating as nature does and um, giving back to nature. And that whole idea of buildings being a part of an ecosystem is something that I deeply believed in, but I didn't realize that that is what sustainability is at the time. Um, so I started connecting the dots somewhere in my career, a couple of years out of school. And uh, that's when I really decided I became
1: very passionate about it. And I decided that's what I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I noticed that you have a lead AP accreditation, accredited professional, and also LFA, which I haven't found, Oh, I haven't met any architects. I have uh, maybe five architects that I have interviewed for my podcast you're the first one with LFA so LFA living future accreditation maybe you can tell us a little bit about that I am actually studying for for it right now
0: yeah that's great yeah well I I I mean speaking of rare I definitely don't have any realtors in the real estate industry (laughs) having that certification so kudos to you for that um yeah the LFA was really so that I can have an accreditation that reflects my values when it comes to sustainability. And I really do think LEED is becoming a standard, at least at the scale that I'm working at. Um, And with the Living Future Accreditation, it's really demonstrating a deeper knowledge of ecosystems and how everything is connected. It it goes into just that idea of regenerative design, which is really what's driving my passion um, in this. And I think it, it it reflects what I want to do, what I want to make happen.
1: Right. So how do you compare your um, study process to f- between LEAD-AP and LFA? I, I found that to be quite different. Uh, I would like to hear from you on that one. I, I, you already said some good stuff about it, but I would love to hear from you more on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the Living Future Accreditation is, um, is not a test-based certification. So you do not sit for an exam. Uh, you don't have to memorize anything or any hypothetical scenarios and numbers. Um, really is based on experience-based learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the requirements is to be on a project that is either seeking a living building certification or some pedal certification have some on the field experience with this, with applying these principles. And then the other part of it is uh, taking courses on these topics to understand regenerative design. Mm -hmm. And those courses are all offered by ILFI on their website Mm -hmm. um, for the certification. And I really think, you know, their courses tap into all sorts of industry experts on these topics, so it's not just ILFI uh, talking about these topics, but really uh, using professionals and experts that are out there that are already doing regenerative design to teach these courses, I think, goes back again to experience based teaching and understanding the concepts. Uh, so, so yeah, I forget the number of CEUs or the number of credits that's required for LFA now, since it's been a, a little while, um, but it's just a certain number of CEUs and credits um, that you need to add up with, with those
1: courses. Yeah. Now, so I've heard you say the word regenerative design. That's a really key word for me. I am a uh, now I am a member of Latitude Regenerative Real Estate. So, uh, amongst us, we are always trying to define what that means. So, in your word, how how would you define regenerative design? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say my
0: definition of regenerative design is is perhaps evolving over the years. Um, really, I started out with regenerative design with the concept that uh, it. Th- the concept that buildings are, can, can be able to give back to the ecosystem that they are within. Um, I've always had a strong foundation in, in this idea of an ecosystem that everything on this planet is really connected together, um, and the fact that energy usage is connected to water usage, and those are all natural elements on this planet, um, and the fact that every building uses these resources, needs these resources in order to operate and function and and be made possible. Um, So really understanding what kind of resources are we using and how much of it are we using for these buildings is I think a key component of regenerative design is thinking in terms of resources. And then the next part of it is how much of these resources are we giving back to the ecosystem? Um, So if we're taking away some habitat, are we giving back some habitat for other species? Or, you know, it's it's really that holistic thinking, systems thinking when it comes to design. Mm -hmm. I think the part that has shifted for me over the years, especially recently, is this added layer of social impact and how buildings can have really tangible social impact how do you, you know, how do you measure that? For me, regenerative design encompasses that as well. Um, how the building impacts the community it's in uh, is all for me a part of regenerative design now. Mm-hmm. And ideally, it's giving back to the community, creating opportunities, um, and
1: creating more positive than
0: negative, essentially.
1: I I really love that. Thank you for sharing. So let's talk about your project. So how regenerative your project is? It can you tell me? Yeah. Can you tell me more about what you have and what's going on? And I know we you call it zero house, right? That's your project. Yes. So tell me, yeah. tell us about your project more.
0: Yeah. So it's called zero house with a Z, um, just just to be unique. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really the idea was you know i wasn't working with a big budget and when i bought the house essentially it was okay what what is the smallest thing that i can do to make it more sustainable the idea wasn't to make it fully regenerative because that would probably be easier with a new building than an existing Mm -hmm. building Um, but really with what i have what's the best that i can do and um I knew that I know that you know electrification is a big part of the decarbonization efforts that the state is undertaking. So for me, that was really priority, um, taking uh, out the gas, all the gas appliances in the house, and replacing everything with electric. Um, to me, is the first step to regenerative design right now, practically speaking. Um, And it has a lot of impacts because, you know, gas has health impacts, Um, it Mm -hmm. has quality of life impacts, Um, it has impacts beyond just the the house that I'm in, right, it has impacts on the miles of pipelines that are being carried to get the gas to my house. So simply by turning that off, um, I think there's a lot of good that can come of it indirectly. Um, so that was first step. And then the next step for me is really to think about, okay, now how can I make it net zero energy so that I'm not, I'm not using more energy than I need, um, so that I can supply all the energy that I need for my house on my property. Um, and so for me, those two things are really the foundation of regenerative design. Um, I'm doing other things such as, um, gray water reuse in the house, potentially. So I'm, I'm currently figuring that out. Um, so and a part of my favorite thing so far, honestly, has been uh, removing my grass and letting whatever is gonna grow there grow, which normal people would refer to as weed. Yeah. But what I have been experiencing is that the plants that have been growing in place of that grass are actually hosting all sorts of they're like a whole ecosystem um they're attracting bees and butterflies and birds that i didn't have in my yard before so to me again that's regenerative I'm, I'm i'm providing a place for for birds and bees that wouldn't normally come to my lawn because mm. they didn't have anything to look for there <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, if I end up with uh, generating more water or more energy than I need, um, then officially I would be net positive, which yes. is what regenerative design gets at. Um, and hopefully be able to give that energy back and that water back to somebody else that may need it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to work out the details of that tactically, but that's the idea.
1: Mm-hmm. So can I can I ask you, how big is the house that you purchased?
0: Yeah, so the house right now is about 530 square feet. It is tiny. <laughs> it is two bedrooms, one bathroom, but of course everything is sort of at small scale, um, and it's one story, and it's got a side yard and a front yard. Um, so, so yeah, part of part of the effort also is to showcase that green homes, sustainable homes, all electric homes can have all the luxuries of a standard home. I think that is a big myth and misconception among uh, the general public who may not be as well versed in green design is that they would have to give up some sort of comfort that they currently Mm -hmm. have in their home. And my thing is, you know, I have a tiny house. So already it feels like I'm making a compromise, but really I'm not because it enables me to have um, better appliances and better standard of living once I'm finally done with with the renovation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important to showcase that you can have all the luxuries in an all electric home
1: and be probably even more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And can I ask you how old the house is? Is it an older home that did you have to, uh, redo the insulation or any any basic uh, um, rehab you, you had to do.
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so the home is is an older home. It's ninety nine years old, nearly a hundred years old. Wow. And it's located in the city of Signal Hill within Long Beach. And if anybody's familiar with Signal Hill, by the way, I wasn't when I when I came across this house. So I learned about it as I was going through escrow. <laughs> but um, if if you know about Signal Hill, it was the single largest oil production uh, back in the 1920s. Um, it it provided the majority, in fact, most of the oil that, that we use in the region And so there was a big oil boom in the 1920s um, and signal hill is at the top of the hill is where um, where everybody was was mining for oil drilling for oil so. the city attracted a lot of workers and a lot of people before that Long Beach used to be more of a leisurely city where people would go to retire and maybe have some quiet time (laughs) (laughs) and then all of a sudden in the 1920s with the oil boom and the discovery of oil it just it it went sort of out of hand and so a lot of people came to the city and uh, as a result they needed more housing so my house is actually a one of a series of bungalows that was built to house the oil workers that came wow. to the area mm-hmm. and uh, for that reason it's it's very small because it was probably intended for them to just uh, you know sleep there for the night and then in the morning go back to work wow. um, it wasn't intended for long-term stay uh, so it has really nice interesting history and you know anywhere in southern California really that you buy a house you're sitting on top of oil fields that's another thing I don't think a lot of people realize Um, so anyway the the house has a really interesting intriguing story Um, Signal Hill is still largely operating on petroleum and so it's, it's for me the story really was how can I turn a ha- take a house that was originally built for the oil industry? That, which by the way, at the time was a symbol of growth and new technology. How can I take this house and, and again, make it a symbol of growth and new technology and, and next level sustainability? How can I make it the cleanest
1: energy, greenest home that I can? I'm curious, given that history of Signal Hill, are you running into any challenges uh, from the city or government um, for your process of renovating, like permitting process? What kind of challenges are you experiencing?
0: Uh, I'm happy to say that I'm not experiencing those challenges, at least not yet. And the city is well aware of the project and the intent of the project. I I mean, I think that there's really something to be said about, about pushing for the next generation of energy, and it mm. happens to be clean energy, right? When oil came around, it was, it was a good thing, it was celebrated, and it was highly profitable, and it was cleaner, much cleaner than coal, which is mm. what we were using before. So it's really over a span of a couple of generations. It's just the energy source is changing, um, but I think the role of the city in terms of being at the forefront of this change hasn't changed, um, and that's what I hope. That's what I hope the city sees in this project. Um, yeah, I you know I haven't come across any any resistance. I have gotten a lot of uh, confused looks and questions on this (laughs) on on why like am I crazy why am I trying to do this (laughs) and you know I just some people will get it and I you know I'm using the project as a way to also talk to the community whoever is interested to learn why I'm doing this what might be motivating me to do this Mm -hmm. I'm happy I'm always happy to talk to them and, you know, some of them get it and they think it's cool. And some of them are like, yeah, but X, Y, and Z, they're still not totally sold on it, which is fine. That's the process of, of making a transformation.
1: Exactly. That's what we're doing. So yeah. uh, I'm curious though, because you are doing this, you started on this project in the pandemic, right? Basically. So have mm-hmm. you, um, other than the challenges, like a bureaucratic challenge, have you come across any other issues and you know I keep hearing about the how the building supplies are you know taking so long to to get or have finding the right kind of contractors or workers Uh, what has your process been like
0: yeah I mean you hit the nail on the head Azumi like (laughs) I've definitely had those challenges I'm not gonna lie this is not easy to do which is the reason I want to do it because I'm lucky enough to have resources uh, that I can reach out to from my professional network to help me with this. But a a regular homeowner is not going to have these resources. Mm. Um, And, you know, one of the many challenges has been finding uh, the right contractor. On on the one hand, all contractors are busy at this point because everyone has been sitting at their homes and they want to in their homes and and trying to remodel and make their space more suitable to their needs now that they're spending much more time in it. So contractors are busy to begin with, but on top of that, finding a contractor who really, who really understands the mission of the project and is, and is open to creative solutions because again, it is a small house. We are working with very tight spaces. It's not your standard, oh, you know, this is what I do in every house, therefore I'm gonna do it here. That's not gonna work here. Um, so finding that contractor has been challenging. Um, fortunately, I think I have I have a lead with a design-build company that, that might just work out because they understand the design side of things as well. Um, and in terms of materials, that's something I'm definitely struggling with. I mean, I've I, I started getting quotes for this project um, months ago, and already prices have increased. So it's kind of the longer I wait, the more I end up paying for just the materials Mm -hmm. and because of that I have started um, phasing out some parts of the project some some non crucial parts of the project that I thought would be nice to have but you know in terms of pricing that may not work out at this time. So, I have had to make some what you call valued engineering decisions <laughs> <laughs> um, but while still keeping the most crucial elements in the project. And I think that's that's key. you know that's why you hire an architect when you do a remodel or a renovation because they can help you through those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding um, installers has been pretty challenging. Um, An HVAC installer who knows how to do heat pumps, even though it sounds pretty standard at this point, but a lot of residential installers do not know how to do that, or they're eager to to recommend to you a system that they're just used to installing, right, that's more efficient for them. Um, Same thing with the heat pump water heater. I mean, don't even ask me about that because that's... The whole saga i could write a book about now probably um i started that process eight months ago and i still don't have a solution so, oh wow um it's it is challenging and and part of it is also asking the right questions right mm-hmm. as a homeowner knowing what questions to ask which there's no way you would know unless you're in this industry and you know the ins and outs honestly um so So yeah, a lot of challenges with equipment and and getting the right installers. Um, I am now partnered with um, the Building Decarbonization Coalition. Um, They have a campaign going on that they're calling the Switch is On campaign. Um, And that's in partnership with some local utilities here in Southern California, including SoCal Edison. And so they are really pushing for the fuel switch and they they are trying to, and and I think succeeding at serving as a source of information for homeowners who do wanna go all electric. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a network of contractors that they work with. So um, that's where I have been looking for contractors. They've been a great resource. Um, I'm an ambassador with them so that I can spread the word.
1: And get other homeowners to consider electrification. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of good just by exemplifying your project, and and I love the fact that it's a small house, because you know a lot of the myths about green homes have been, you know, in the higher end properties, it's easier to install all these so called green features, but my my vision or my goal has been to to always been that I wanted to let the world know that any house like old homes and small house and you know middle class uh, uh you know uh, developed homes they can all be converted into a more sustainable regenerative design and so having been in this industry as a professional as an architect tell me what your in, what your outlook is for the coming future yeah. coming years you know be you know a lot of us have been trying to disseminate this information you know myself with the podcast and there there are a lot of great resources now available but mm-hmm. what is your take what what do you think where where we're going
0: well, first of all, I think what you're doing, Izumi, with green real estate and really being there in the real estate sector as a voice for green homes is so critical in the transformation that we need to make happen. Um, I tend to be an idealist; that's probably my strongest suit, and sometimes it can be my weakness. But as an idealist, I have a lot of hope for the future. I I see a very bright future where we have clean homes um, that have that don't harm our our health right i think what most people don't realize is that most of the homes right now are not necessarily healthy environments and we're spending a lot of time there now so what i envision is a future where we have healthy homes everybody has a healthy home regardless of your income your age your abilities uh your race your gender whatever it may be everybody has access to a clean comfortable home that is energy efficient um that is run on clean renewable energy that's not wasting wasting unnecessary resources i really I, i think that's possible and it's possible even now. This is not, you know, twenty years from now. I think that's possible right now. Um, if we want to make that happen, we can absolutely make that happen. And I think that's that's my message. Is when there's, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. I completely believe in that. Um, and and I hope that I hope that people take this message seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and take it upon themselves to, to do something about it. Because this is, this is not just about environmentalism. It is about health and comfort and quality of living. And that's
1: what mm-hmm. I wish for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I can relate so much of what you just said. Yeah. Um, you and I are both involved with USGBC. So what is your um, what is your method of Um, talking to other people like um, do you have a way that you have been trying to reach other people your friends family people you meet what is your language that you are using
0: yeah that is a great question I would say I'm still I'm still finding my way through that I definitely don't have the the magical language that (laughs) will convert people (laughs) but you know it's it's all about making those personal connections to me that's really what it's always been about
1: mm-hmm. and
0: through my project zero house it, i'm i have opportunities to reach others that i may not have typically reached within my sort of green community bubble yeah. um, and so you know by by distilling things down to simple terms um and you know i was just on the news recently, Spectrum One News. And that story really was meant for everybody, sitting in their homes, watching that story and seeing and, and being inspired to do something with their own homes. Right. And you know what's so exciting is I got messages after that story. I got one particular message from, from somebody and, and a, a, probably a middle-aged lady who messaged me saying she saw me and my house on her daughter's Instagram. And she watched my story and she was so inspired by my story. And she asked me what can she, and she told me she owns a hair salon. And so she asked me, what can I do to zero house by her salon? Which I thought was <laughs> really cool. And I mean, like those are the stories. Those are the people I wanna reach and, and, and inspire. Um, and it's all through personal connections, I think. Yeah. one personal connection leads to the next, and mm-hmm. and the people closest to you, you know you know their um drivers the best. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day it comes down to comfort. for me, that's that's always the main key. Do
1: mm-hmm. you want to be more comfortable in your house?
0: Right. If so, right. it's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I congratulate you for the recent. Um, Uh, media coverage which I saw and if you can tell my audience uh, how people can learn about your project or about you. Sure yeah so I have a website set up
0: it's uh, Mm -hmm. zerohouse.com which you can include a link to and Mm -hmm. I am documenting the process mainly on Instagram Again, because I want to reach people who wouldn't normally be in these networks, I think Instagram is, is that good, that platform that I can use. So on Instagram, um, my handle is at zero.house. Um, and so you can, you can stay, stay tuned with my progress. And I'm also happy, honestly, if you want to reach out, um, ask about my process or my experience or suggestions, I am happy, happy to help.
1: And uh, that's what this is all about. Well, thank you so much, every day. There's so much more I want to talk to you about, but uh, this is my time. But I look forward to following you on your project and working together.
0: Yeah, thank you, Izumi. I, I as well, and I
1: appreciate the time to talk with you today. Thank you so much, every day. So this is Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes.